0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: The shortage of shots. Today we were advised that the Moderna vaccine that's scheduled to arrive next week has also been reduced.
2: Further reductions in the vaccine supply and new restrictions on air travel. Traumatic delivery.
3: This is obviously a terrible thing to experience and our hearts go out to the family
2: allegations of racism that led to tragedy for a woman in labor and passing the buck
4: this is government's money and therefore we needed to advise them on what was going to happen.
2: more bombshell testimony at the Cullen Commission into money laundering
5: you're watching Global BC
2: this is global news hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in a moment, but first we want to start with some breaking news and potentially bad news for commuters who rely on the Canada Line to get to work and to school. The union representing Canada Line workers has issued strike notice. Our Jordan Armstrong joins us now from just outside the Olympic Village Station. Jordan, what does this mean?
5: Well, Chris, it means there could be inconvenience down the tracks for Canada Line users. Workers will be in a legal strike position as of 4 p.m. Monday. But don't expect pickets at stations or major service disruptions, at least not immediately. The union says they'd likely start with a work-to-rule campaign, perhaps a uniform ban, maybe an overtime ban before scaling things up. They don't work for TransLink, but rather ProTransBC, a division of SNC-Lavalin. They've been in negotiations for almost a year now, and the sticking point is wage parity with their SkyTrain counterparts. Their union, the BCGEU, says these 180 Canada Line workers on average make 3% less than the SkyTrain folks.
6: We are still currently working with a mediator and where talks are ongoing, there's always hope. And of course, job action takes a lot of different uh, forms. It doesn't necessarily mean that within 72 hours, there will be picket lines at various uh, Canada line stations. Um, It could take a number of different forms. But at this point, we're still looking for a negotiated settlement.
5: The company has issued this statement, quote, the B.C. government considers Canada Line as an essential service. Pro B.C. remains committed to bargaining towards a fair agreement for both parties as we encourage the union to continue meeting at the table before the strike commences. As you heard, talks are ongoing. We're hearing the next bargaining session is on Sunday. If there are any developments over the weekend, we'll let you know. Chris?
2: No doubt you will. Thanks very much, Jordan. Now to the COVID 19 pandemic in BC, and the numbers show we still have to bend the curve. We're plateaued right now with 514 new cases, bringing BC's total to 66,779. Tragically, five more people have died, which means BC has lost nearly 1,200 people to complications of the virus. 292 people are in hospitals, 74 patients in the ICU. Fifty-nine thousand five hundred fifty-one are considered recovered, leaving us with four thousand five hundred fifty-seven active cases and seven thousand two hundred forty-two in self-isolation. Legislative bureau chief Keith Baldry joins us now. And Keith, today's briefing with health officials highlighted a bit of a, a bit of a surprise: more mm-hmm. vaccine supply issues.
7: Yeah, another setback in the vaccination rollout plan. Moderna today announcing they're also revisiting some of their manufacturing plans. So BC is going to be out 20% next week. Pfizer, no Pfizer this week, hopefully Pfizer next week, uh, but less Moderna than anticipated. Dr. Barney Henry making that announcement today, but it's not all bad news. There was some encouraging news from Health Canada saying it expects to make a decision on AstraZeneca, the British vaccine, likely a green light in the coming days. Dr. Henry addressing both the good and the bad today at the briefing.
1: It took us a little by surprise. Uh, We had not heard that there was going to be concerns, although there has been um, some rumours swirling. And yes, it's about 6,000 doses uh, that we were expected to receive next week. Um, We have assurances. Uh, from the federal government who have been talking directly with both Pfizer and Moderna that these uh, shortfalls will be made up before the end of Q1. We are very hopeful that AstraZeneca will be approved in Canada. Uh, Health Canada, the regulator, has been working very closely with the EMEA, the European uh, regulator. So um, that is good news for us. Um, Obviously, they don't tell us until they've uh, had a, a full assessment of all of the data. Um, But we are meeting on Sunday morning to talk about that. So I expect it will be soon.
7: So a mixed bag when it comes to vaccines in terms of news today, Chris. Also another potentially encouraging sign. Johnson & Johnson released its own study today saying the efficacy of its vaccine is pegged at 72%. And that is another one that could be available in Canada in the second quarter. So again, a setback, but then maybe a step forward on a couple of other vaccines.
2: All right, thanks for the update there, Keith. Keith Baldry in Victoria. Now, the threat
7: from more highly contagious
2: COVID 19 variants has led the federal government to impose some strict new rules on travelers. Those rules are designed to further discourage non essential international travel. And as Richard Zussman shows us, to prevent the new variants from taking
8: root here.
9: Travel crackdown.
8: We all agree that now is just not the time to be flying.
9: The federal government announcing Friday an agreement with Canadian Airlines suspending flights to Mexico and other non-United States Sun destinations. It's part of widespread international travel restrictions coming into place in a few weeks. Mandatory COVID testing for anyone flying into Canada from outside of the country, both upon arrival and at pre-boarding. Three-day stay at a traveler's expense at a hotel to wait for those test results. And positive tests will mean a 14-day stay in the hotel.
8: We know that just one case of the variant that comes in uh, could cause significant challenges. And that's why we need to take extra measures.
9: All international flights must come through one of four Canadian airports, including YVR. The math is fuzzy, but the Prime Minister insisted the hotel stay will not be cheap. Mentioning multiple times, each traveller will be on the hook for more than $2,000 in costs for the hotel and the tests.
8: Yes, it is extremely uh, low, the percentage of cases that are traced back to international travel, uh, but it's not zero.
9: This comes as spring break approaches. The federal government not restricting flights to California, Arizona, Hawaii. Popular destinations for British
1: Columbians. But that could change. We understand that Canada is uh, having ongoing discussions with our neighbours to the south, uh, to, with the United States as they are updating and revising their border measures. As for spring break, Dr. Henry says British Columbians may be able to travel interprovincially, but not beyond that. We will be actively discouraging people from other provinces coming to British Columbia. But how people will be discouraged from coming,
9: that path is still not travelled. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
2: Air Canada's stock price provides a real-world illustration of just how hard the pandemic has hit the airline industry. One year ago, shares in the airline were trading at $45.60. Today, that price has collapsed to just under $20. Due to the pandemic and travel restrictions, Air Canada, like every other airline around the world, has slashed routes, cut staff, and is in negotiations with the federal government over a multi-billion dollar bailout plan. Long-term care home operators, staff, and families have been calling on the provincial government to use the million plus rapid COVID testing kits that are now sitting in storage to screen people entering those facilities. They say new mathematical modeling shows a testing program with even moderate success will go a long way to help save lives. But Aaron MacArthur shows us why Dr. Henry disagrees. Hundreds of deaths, thousands of cases.
10: Long-term care homes in B.C. have borne the brunt of this pandemic. One year into the tragedy, people in the long-term care field are still asking for some sort of rapid testing.
6: Rapid testing could prevent cases, it could prevent outbreaks.
10: New modelling from SFU researchers predicts with daily screening of all visitors and staff, exposures in care homes could be reduced by as much as 90%. Even periodic testing would reduce the exposure risk
5: by about half. What must be happening is that people, are probably staff, are bringing it in um, when they don't have symptoms.
10: BC's top doctor remains unconvinced. While BC does use the rapid test in remote locations, and many other places health officials believe them to be useful, in long-term care, regular screening puts too much pressure on valuable staff resources.
1: (laughs) Pilots uh, that were done in four long-term care, five long-term care homes in, uh, in Vancouver Coastal uh, really showed that, that you really had to have staff resources from the facility as well as uh, a medical staff.
6: Yes, there's some work required to do it as a screening strategy, but there's an incredible amount of work that goes into responding into an outbreak, and that doesn't begin to take into account the human cost and the lives lost when those outbreaks do occur.
10: Most residents in long-term care and their caregivers have been partially vaccinated, a move that should drastically cut infections in the coming weeks. But vaccines are not a replacement for prevention. Rapid testing could be used as an effective screening tool, now and post-pandemic.
2: Aaron MacArthur, Global News. During our virtual COVID-19 town hall last night, BC's health minister dashed the hopes of brides and grooms Who had been hoping they could plan a normal wedding for later this year. The bottom line, as Paul Johnson reports, is they feel it's too risky.
11: If you thought this spring was finally the season for your big fat West Coast wedding, you might think again.
1: Think small. Think small. Um, You know, this summer we're going to be in a different place, I believe.
11: At their town hall Thursday, Dr. Henry and Health Minister Dix scotched any hopes for a big dream wedding in the next few months, especially any that would involve distant friends and family. International travel is not on, so if you're planning a wedding where people are coming in from outside the country, uh, that's not for this year. Though some grooms and parents may breathe a discreet sigh of relief at that, you have to feel for the brides.
12: Of course. Um, We're pretty disappointed.
11: Miranda Cross and Michael Tiano have been planning their wedding since last summer. 200 guests were expected, about half from abroad.
4: Uh, We respect the rules put on by the government, but of course we're kind of frustrated
0: with bonnie henry's announcement last night i felt like at least we have an idea
11: wedding planner aaron bishop says the only consolation here is that couples and the businesses they support at least have some more clarity though they're still hoping for a break later this year
6: as an industry we're hopeful um we're hopeful that somewhat larger gatherings will happen this summer
12: Honestly, it's kind of something I think we're going to like, you know, when we're like old and gray and have grandbabies, we're going to laugh about. And, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, we're planning a wedding.
11: It's good to see COVID doesn't seem to affect the optimism of the young and in love.
12: I feel like we can do that. Maybe we'll (laughs) we'll do okay.
2: Paul
11: Johnson, Global News.
2: In other news now, a B.C. Supreme Court judge has denied Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou's request to relax her bail requirements as she fights extradition to the U.S. Earlier this month, the court heard that Meng dines in restaurants open only to her and her friends. She also shops in high-end stores that set aside private space and time. But she argued the conditions that require guards to accompany her at all times increase her risks of getting COVID-19. She also unsuccessfully asked the court to allow her to leave her home without guards outside of her current curfew. Five months after the 216th Street interchange opened on Highway 1 in Langley, the province is giving it a $2.8 million safety upgrade. Drivers have said the interchange created a dangerous bottleneck as soon as it opened last September, with the three lanes heading east dropping back down to two. Vehicles in the passing lane are supposed to move left once the HOV lane ends. But with no indication to move left, vehicles in the passing lane continue straight, creating a bottleneck with vehicles in the right lane that are running out of road. The Transportation Ministry says the CP rail crossing, which runs parallel to Glover Road, will be upgraded and the left turn lane from Glover Road eastbound to 216th northbound will be extended. An expectant mother and her family are speaking up about a horrifying experience in childbirth. They tried to get into the nearest hospital, but she was sent away. What happened next was nothing short of tragic. The response from the health minister, next on the News Hour. A Brooklyn teacher launches a website to help you blow off some steam as we all struggle with COVID. That's coming up a little later. And going downhill fast, the North Van athlete quickly making a name for herself on the world skeleton circuit. That's coming up in sports. Right now though, the Northern Health Authority has launched an investigation into allegations of systemic racism at Kitimat Hospital after a family tragedy. They claim their daughter lost her baby after being seen at the hospital and then released and was being driven to another hospital by a family member where her baby was stillborn. Romina Dea reports.
12: Sarah Morrison and her family were supposed to be celebrating the birth of her new baby. Their joy crushed by unimaginable loss. The wails of the devastated mother posted online by her uncle, who tells us this story must be
13: told. If I did not get those videos posted, we wouldn't have a response. And this would be just another First Nations baby swept under the rug. The systemic racism in Kitimat is ridiculous.
12: Dustin Gaucher says his niece was two weeks overdue. She thought she was in labor Wednesday, so she went straight to Kitimat General Hospital.
13: I was told that she was denied service for whatever reason. She left through the front door and called an ambulance so I could take her to the next town over. That's Terrace, BC. The ambulance took her, picked her up, and brought her back to the same hospital. So he just pulled around the corner.
12: No explanation why, says the family. So Morrison's father drove her to hospital in Terrace, 60 kilometres away. The baby, stillborn.
13: She's devastated. She is broken, living her worst worst nightmare.
12: BC Emergency Health Services and Northern Health not commenting on specific details in this tragedy, citing privacy hours after Global News brought the case to the attention of the health minister, an announcement. Northern Health has initiated a review.
3: Allegations of racism are always taken extremely seriously. There is no place for racism in our healthcare system and any discriminatory or racist behavior is a violation of our principles, policies, and values.
13: There's no excuse in my mind. When you go to a hospital and you're distressed, you should be
2: treated equal.
12: Ramina Dea, Global News.
2: And on the topic of racism, a big victory today for a Lord Bing student who first came forward To help create better policies to address racism in schools. Speak Up Youth Forums presented a Courage Award to a young woman named Changich after she signed a human rights settlement with the Vancouver School Board and police. The BC Community Alliance filed a complaint with the BC Human Rights Tribunal in 2019 over concerns the board was not doing enough to address anti-black racism in schools. It stemmed from a November 2018 video of a white teen spewing racial slurs and making threats towards black students at Lord Bing secondary. As a result, two black students transferred to other schools.
4: Terrible. I would not want anyone to ever go through what I went through. Happy it's over, happy to move on with my life. It was great, Um,
14: but yeah, thank you. We cannot do it without all of you being here. It's not us did it. We did it. We did it together. Um, I wish we can do more. I hope it changes
4: for the better, and I hope they continue to at least try and do something. So. So.
2: Cengage says she's pleased to Thank see that so there so are much. now more anti-racism initiatives in schools than there were when her experience Here unfolded. Coming up next, the head of BC Lottery Corporation on the hot seat. The directive Jim Lightbody received to crack down on money laundering at BC casinos and why it took years to implement. Also tonight, disaster for several shop owners after a fire in New Westminster.
15: A major crash on Highway 10 at 152nd Street. It was westbound. It's totally closed these roads, north, south, east, and westbound. So no matter where you're going, you're going to have to divert around this, maybe use 40th Avenue or 64th as an alternate, or King George uh, 168th, uh, because police are directing traffic away from every single intersection in this area. Kermac Collision and Autoglass provides no-cost windshield chip repairs with your insurance coverage. And Kermak donates 100% of their income from chip repairs through Kermak Cares for Kids. In Global One above Highway 10 in Surrey, I'm Tim May.
2: Plenty of explosive testimony today at the Cullen Commission into money laundering in B.C. The commission was told that a policy to institute widespread checks on the source of all high-roller money could have cost the province hundreds of millions of dollars and was ultimately rejected. John Waugh reports. It's a
16: simple rule. Come to a
2: casino with
16: $10,000 or more. And you'll have to prove it came from a legitimate source.
0: Did you have a
4: threshold amount over which BCLC would require service providers to refuse to accept unsourced funds? I am not aware of all of the operational details. But back in 2015,
16: the BC Lottery Corporation did not source funds based on a dollar amount. Instead, sticking to a more limited player risk-based approach.
4: They knew how to conduct interviews. They knew how to procure evidence. And they knew when to make the right choice. The
16: Cullen Commission heard BCLC receive several directives from the province and gaming regulator to improve sourcing of funds, which could be based on a dollar amount. The lottery corporation's president continued to be pressed on why that wasn't done.
4: I'm sure you're going to have to ask somebody who was at that operational level, one of our AML investigators.
16: That specific change never happened in 2015, but it was priced out for the BCLC's board of directors.
4: Management estimates the effect of the direction for BCLC, if fully implemented, would be hundreds of millions of dollars.
16: The board's reaction tell then-BC Finance Minister Michael DeYoung how much money could be lost.
4: The responsibility of BCLC was to advise the minister of any implications on the revenue that the government would receive from gaming.
16: Lightbody said de response did not come in writing, but through conversations with his associate deputy minister.
4: We did find out that what he meant was not all transactions.
16: Sourcing cash in casinos based on a dollar amount wouldn't happen until 2018 and a change of government. Lightbody laying the blame on those previously in charge.
7: Did you understand then by at least late 2016 that the minister and indeed the government of British Columbia... Continued to endorse the risk-based
13: approach? I did, 100%.
16: At its peak in July
13: of 2015, suspicious
16: transactions in BC casinos totaled $20 million. Three years later, sourcing funds at $10,000 or more would cause table gaming revenue to drop. But the amount of shady cash transactions would fall off a cliff. John Hua,
2: Global News. At least five businesses are damaged after flames tore through a strip mall in New Westminster overnight. Witnesses say they heard a loud explosion before the fire erupted at the mall at 12th Street and 10th Avenue. No one was hurt, and although several of the businesses are insured, the structural damage is extensive. Another blow for stores already suffering during the pandemic.
14: I don't know how they're gonna honestly get through it. I think it's gonna be really tough, especially if it's closed for, you know, two, three weeks or something. Uh, That's more, you know, rent stuff. That's, you know, it's gonna be tough. It definitely doesn't help.
3: You know, I know a few of ours have had trouble, Uh, you know, school closures and the foot traffic here has gone down a bit. So I hope they get a determination here, um, the exact cause and why Fire investigators
2: believe the blaze began in a barber shop. The new Westminster Police Major Crime Unit is assisting in determining the cause. Up ahead, B.C. in the middle of a mental health crisis.
6: COVID has just created so many additional complications.
2: The new study that shows many of us are just barely hanging on. Also tonight, Canadian vaccine producers ready to go, but facing big hurdles. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times.
15: Police are redirecting traffic in all directions on Highway 10 at 168 here due to a crash at 152nd. So 152nd north and south is blocked, east and west on Highway 10 blocked. All this traffic is just having to figure it out as they go, and it is just messy out here. So if you can avoid this area of Surrey, please do. Want access to the HOV lane? Beat rush hour traffic in the Chevrolet Bolt EV with up to 417 kilometers of range. Visit ChevroletOffers.ca and Global One above Highway 10. I'm Tim Mayne.
2: As fears grow over vaccine delivery delays from international manufacturers Moderna and Pfizer, Canadian companies say Ottawa could have done a lot more. Domestic makers say their vaccines would almost be ready for use if they had received more support. Fletcher Kent has that
3: story. Edmonton-based Entos Pharmaceuticals, COVID-19 vaccine is just a few months away now. Problem is, it's been like that for far too many months.
10: We're hoping that the federal government would be able to step up early, like other governments have done for their vaccine manufacturers and, and, and innovators. Uh, and we just haven't seen that. It's been really frustrating.
3: Last March, Entos says it needed $50 million to help manufacture its drug. Ottawa helped with $5 million for clinical trials. Now, the vaccine is now weeks away from phase one human trials. John Lewis says more federal help would have meant the Canadian vaccine would be in phase three by now.
10: Dozens of companies throughout Canada that had uh, a real shot uh, to develop a vaccine within a year. And there's just been a a real lack of leadership from the federal
17: level in investing in these companies. So that becomes a national security issue. That becomes a welfare
3: issue. Brad Sorensen heads Toronto-based Providence Therapeutics. His company's vaccine faces similar hurdles and timelines as Entos's. On Friday, Providence sent a new request to Ottawa, for 150 million dollars to help manufacture 50 million doses this year domestically.
17: This is about, you know, basic healthcare
16: delivery and it shouldn't be imported. It should be generated within your own borders.
3: Vaccine independence takes on new meaning as the European Union contemplates vaccine export restrictions on the currently approved vaccines. Well, the federal government says Moderna and Pfizer have assured us we will get our promised doses. And in a statement, Ottawa says it has already invested hundreds of millions in vaccine development, adding the government continues to consider further investments in Canada's domestic biomanufacturing sector. The local companies say it's time to do more, though, than consider investments. The
10: government has to take a close look at this and decide if they want, you know, they want to be ready for the next pandemic.
3: Fletcher Kent, Global News. In
2: Health Matters tonight, a new study is painting a pretty bleak picture of British Columbians' mental health with significantly fewer people saying that they're doing okay compared to before the pandemic. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, even the start of the vaccine rollout hasn't changed their outlook.
18: Before the pandemic, over 80% of British Columbians rated their mental health as good or better. But the latest survey by Insights West shows how much things have changed.
14: What we found was really quite shocking. We found that 43% of British Columbians are not coping well with the pandemic mentally.
18: 24% rate their mental health is fair, 13% poor, 4% very poor. The numbers don't come as much of a surprise to the crisis centre of BC, where calls are up 25%. COVID has just created so many additional complications
6: that it's a natural pile-on. So anything that you... Uh, that you were stressed about already. COVID complicates all of those things. The
18: most vulnerable? Young people between the ages of 18 and 34 and women.
14: When it comes to job losses, financial impact, mental stress, uh, the stresses of the household, it's, uh, it's multifaceted why this uh, has impacted females more than the rest of us.
18: Along with stress, the most common complaints among the 850 British Columbians surveyed were anxiety, boredom, And loneliness.
14: The loneliness number, which is uh, just under 50%, has risen about 15 points since September. So, you know, we're not getting used to this. We're actually, in some aspects, getting worse.
18: As for the resulting changes in behavior?
14: We know that 30% are drinking way more than they have been prior. Yet there's this other group that's uh, 22% who are spending uh, less on alcohol.
18: But now, with vaccines on the way, there's reason for hope. 20% are optimistic they'll feel better in the
14: next few weeks. And if we look out two or three months, about 45% of us feel that we're going to do better.
18: In the meantime... If you're feeling overwhelmed, reach out and talk. Reach out and talk to us. And uh, we'll remind you that this is difficult and it's okay. It's okay not to be okay right now. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
2: A new Diagnostic Services building is now open at Delta Hospital as part of the province's multi-year strategy to reduce weights and boost capacity in public health care. The two-story Peter C. and Elizabeth Toigo building near the hospital's main entrance features state-of-the-art medical imaging and lab equipment, including mammography, ultrasound, X-ray and CT scanning. Still ahead, how about some screen therapy? <laughs> How COVID inspired this unusual website. And it's Friday, so don't forget about satellite debris. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. It's a real scream that's coming up right after the forecast with Christy. Who is outside at the moment? On the deck as usual, uh, what's it like out there tonight?
6: Mm-hmm. It just started to rain. And I uh, don't have very good news for our weekend forecast, everyone.
2: Uh-oh. Yes.
6: So you know what, Chris? I, I decided to talk about snow instead. How about? So us uh, I thought I would just let you know. Let's do it, right? So I thought I'd let you know that so far in December, we, had, we didn't have any snowfall. We've only had a trace in January. So when you tally the amount that we've had so far this season, we've only had a trace. Now, if we continue on this trend, which there is a chance, we could, there always is a chance, uh, we would be in line with our, um, two other years, the 1957-1958 year, as well as 1991-92, where we only had a trace as well. So that would be an incredible year, but we still have lots of winter yet. And I know my kids really, would love some snow. They had a lot of snow though in the interior over the last 24 hours. Thank you to everyone who shared your photos with us. Gorgeous because a little bit of blue sky today and that uh, makes it fun for the kids. Those of us here on the south coast are a little jealous. All right so As we head through the weekend, there are many areas that are going to see snowfall, including Whistler, parts of Kelowna, but minimal amounts for you, and then Nelson, significant amounts as well. But it's really the coastal regions that will see the majority of the moisture, and that means rainfall for our region. Now, tomorrow's not going to be a soaker. We'll see showers across our region, but into Sunday, that's when we're going to see more uh, consistent rain at times. So, yes, get ready for your indoor COVID activities, you guys, and those of you in the interior, you can enjoy a bit of snow those of you in Whistler as well it will warm up a little bit in the interior so changing over to wet snow or rain for a few areas for a period of time South Coast though showers tomorrow with a high of 5 degrees will warm up a little bit on Sunday and overall next week is looking a little unsettled as well and tonight's weather window Chris is from Crescent Beach and I want to just point out there's two couples or maybe not couples friends walking along the beach and I'm pretty sure one of them is with an emu
2: <laughs> that looks really Doesn't it look weird like that? I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Photoshop, maybe? I Who know. knows? Corey Criticos, no, what I are you No, I don't know. Maybe to?
6: it's a log. Oh, maybe.
2: <laughs> it does look like a llama or an emu or something strange. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. So, does the pandemic make you want to scream? A New York City teacher has created a hotline that allows you to do just that.
4: Welcome. This is just Scream dot, Baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's crazy. Brooklyn teacher Chris Goldmar has launched a website and a phone number inviting anyone and everyone to call and let out their frustrations by screaming into the line. As the pandemic worsened, the number of calls kept growing.
10: It's such a strange idea. Call in and scream. And
8: it just took off like wildfire. It's been approximately 65,000 screens. 65,000! If it takes off, I think within the realm of
10: 100,000,
11: give or take. You're getting phone calls from all over the world? From all over the world. I mean,
8: in the first couple weeks of the project, it really took off in Russia and Italy.
2: So many, in fact, they had to take a break. So they've shut down until February 1st. But say the phone lines will be back open again at that time, and you
8: can give them a ring and leave a scream. Whatever floats your boat, I
2: guess,
18: right, Squire?
8: <laughs> Isn't that scream therapy where they give you a bowl or something like that and you yell in it? I don't. I, mean, I heard about that sometimes. Gonna, just go out in somebody the par- wanted me to do that, and I thought, no, I got better things yeah. to do than scream into a bowl. Let's go out in the parking lot. <laughs> well, then you draw attention, and someone's going to phone the cops because they're going to think something's going on. Uh, Okay, so the Canucks fans aren't screaming any longer. Uh, Vancouver is sorry to see the Senators leave town, though. That was a three-game sweep against Ottawa. So was that beating a bad team or a sign the Canucks are turning things around?
15: We're going to be better, you know, two months from now than we are now, and that's just the group we have.
8: Well, among the big hitters last night for the Canucks on the score sheet, Brock Besser will talk about his two goals and... Now, the Canucks defense has been helping in the scoring department as well. Nice shot. Okay, thanks, Squire. Also coming up,
2: satellite debris. That looks clean to me. Is it, though? Here with sports, and the guys who are supposed to score are starting to score, Squire.
8: That is true. Uh, Brock Besser, in fact, scored twice last night, which means he's now tied with a few other players for most goals in the NHL right now with six. I know it's a little early to start talking about the scoring race, but... He's up there. Funny thing is, in, is, though. Funny thing is, though, he either scores two goals in the game or he doesn't score at all. Two against Edmonton. Two against Montreal. Two against Ottawa. And the first one last night was a smart play by Besser down low on the power play. Besser on
10: the goal line cuts in front. Besser scores.
8: This goal obviously went against the Senators' scouting of the Canucks' power play. Besser not passing and going on his own was something Ottawa did not expect. They thought Besser would throw it out front to bull Horvat, but when he saw Horvat was covered, he went on his own.
2: You know, like I've been telling you guys, I'm still learning in that area and kind of reading uh, the penalty kill from that position. But, um, you know, we've been, obviously, we we played in a few games and, you know, watched some film. So uh, we, we've we kind of felt that that spot's going to be open.
8: Speaking of open, it was goalie Braden Holpe channeling his best Quinn Hughes who found Brock Besser open for his second goal. That
2: was such a good play by him. And um, I think Peter read it well, too, just seeing me get some speed there.
15: And uh, that was a really good play by Holtz
8: points from the blue line or what we just saw the goal line have been a strength for the Canucks they lead the NHL in points from defensemen with Quinn Hughes the number one blue liner with 11 points so
15: far um that doesn't surprise me and you know our forwards have been really good at you know getting the puck in the ozone and um getting it up to the point and spreading the zone so um you know hopefully we can keep that going and um you know see what happens
8: well, clearly Jake Vertanen is back in the doghouse. Didn't play last night. Travis Green isn't sure when he'll play on this road trip, but uh, he does think he'll eventually get back.
2: I think he's better than what he's shown so far this year. Um, you know, not, not that I think it, I know it. He, he's a good player. We need him to be at his best. I know he wants to play his best, and I, I just don't think he has yet. Uh, felt like it was time to bring him out of the lineup and, and reset him, and... Um, when he goes back in, hopefully he plays better.
8: North Vancouver's Jane Channel is in Germany right now, preparing for next week's World Skeleton Championships. Now, because of COVID, she's only been in one World Cup race this year, but she made the most of it finishing third, proving that her practice sessions have kept her podium ready.
9: Returning Jane Channel from Canada,
17: Jane Channel is back in her happy place, and that's on the World Cup Skeleton Circuit, where hurtling down an ice track 130 kilometers an hour ahead first is a source of comfort. Because of COVID, Channel waited until just last week to enter her first race, and all she did was win a bronze, the fifth podium finish of her World Cup career.
0: I missed being there on tour with everyone, so it was so great to be back and seeing everybody um, even if it was through a mask, you can still tell if they're smiling and everything. So,
17: At 32, Channel is hitting that sweet spot where she's at the peak of her physical abilities combined with track experience at the World Cup level. She's definitely focused on the 2022 Olympics in Beijing, but beyond that, feels the best is yet to come.
0: Skeleton athletes, we like to call ourselves like a fine wine. Like we get better with age. And so <laughs> I'm definitely still one of the fastest pushers out there and I'm still learning. I'm still getting better with the driving aspect. So um, I'm definitely, I would like to think I'm still improving.
17: Channel was a two-sport athlete at SFU a dozen years ago, where she played on the softball team and was a sprinter on the track team. That ability to burst out of the starting blocks has transferred over beautifully to Skeleton, where she's considered one of the best pushers in the sport. But where she feels she's gained the most during the COVID break is the mental aspect, not letting the big moments overwhelm and putting down her best race when the ice chips are down, like that bronze last week.
0: It was just really um, fulfilling to actually see that I was able to lay down two solid runs um, and it, gave, it gives me confidence in knowing that the work I was doing in the summer and still doing is paying off. I'm just I'm happy to be here, and I'm having fun again.
8: You can go head first down a hill in a cafeteria. tray. you have my respect, always. Uh, NBA tonight, Sacramento and the Toronto-slash-Tampa Bay Raptors. Pascal Siakam with a two-handed jam there, but the uh, Raptors trailed by 10 at halftime, and former Raptor Corey Joseph who's from Ontario, has been playing well for the Kings, driving right here for the layup and also getting the fouls. They're up by five, Sacramento, in the fourth. There you go. All right. Nice and
2: close. Thank you very much, Squire. Here's Jay Durant. Now the preview of Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Chris.
11: We have video of yet another rescue of an injured backcountry skier at Cypress this afternoon. And there's a new warning from North Shore Rescue for anyone else considering heading into the backcountry this weekend. Plus, details on a multi-vehicle crash with potentially serious injuries. That shut down a major intersection in Surrey late this afternoon. And we'll have more on the vaccine situation in B.C.
2: That's tonight at 11, Chris. Lots to talk about tonight. All right, thanks very much, Jay. We'll be back with satellite debris right after this. Squires back with uh, satellite debris and a nod to one of the stars of Seinfeld coming out.
8: That's right, um, and of course the Super Bowl is next Sunday, and uh, there will be Super Bowl commercials. I know some of the big names like Budweiser are not getting involved this year, but Tide is, and this is a preview of one of their Super Bowl commercials featuring Jason Alexander, aka George Costanza. <laughs>
1: You have to wash Jason Alexander hoodie. It looks clean to me. Is it though?
15: Look at what's happened to
13: me. I can't believe it myself. Suddenly I'm up on top of the world. It should have been
12: somebody else. Be sure to get the bugs off the window.
11: Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so
9: free. had a away, on a wing and a
1: prayer. You owe Jason Alexander Hoodie an apology.
11: Believe it
14: or not, I'm walking on air. Hey, that's my face. You can't just wear my face.
8: My mom told me to say I'm sorry. How many hoodies did they make there with all those photos on them? Uh, Okay, so now, um, since we're into the uh, Super Bowl commercial idea, let's go back and watch some from a couple of years ago. One featuring uh, Danny DeVito and Tiffany Haddish. Here we go.
16: I've had three people try to eat me today.
8: Three. Ooh, lucky
16: penny. Anyway, sometimes I wish I were human. Whoa.
7: Look at
13: me. I'm human. Do you want to eat me? No. Do you want to eat me? No,
2: thanks.
4: No? Would you like to eat
1: me? <gasps> ah, nobody wants to eat me! I'm the luckiest! You dropped your lucky penny. Man, I look good. You're
15: still short and bald. When you use Groupon in your neighborhood, you're not only saving money, you're also supporting local business. I mean, what kind of person wouldn't want to support local business?
3: Hate local business, family-owned, even better. Shut it down.
15: Oh, when you save in your neighborhood, it feels so good. It didn't feel good for him, though. <laughs> Download the app and save.
8: She's got the best laugh. Yeah, oh, that is great. And uh, last but not least, another uh, Super Bowl ad from a few years ago, and this one features all sorts of famous cars you will recognize if you're deep into pop culture.
4: I'm not Michael. Oh, don't worry. He calls everyone Michael.
8: Okay. Which one would you drive if you had the choice? I'd like to drive Kit. You would? From Knight Rider. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to have the bumblebee car because then you have a giant friend in case there's trouble. Yeah, that's true. A
2: protector.
6: Yeah, totally.
8: What is going to protect us from the rain this
2: weekend, I wonder?
6: Not much. I mean, a rain jacket, obviously, or Mm -hmm. an umbrella. But uh, for the most part, it's going to be a wet one. Um, Enjoy the snow. If you can get up into the mountains, though, everyone, locally, of course.
2: You got it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend.